Hey folks, this podcast goes beyond the saddle as we explore professional careers across the equine industry. I'm your host, Katie Kleinbell. Let's tack up and head out. This episode of Beyond the Saddle is brought to you by the Mustang Heritage Foundation, and today we interview Michelle Bonds. Michelle realized her passion for horses as an undergrad at Murray State University and never looked back. That passion led her to a master's in agricultural communications from Oklahoma State University and a career in marketing and communications. As the director of marketing for the Mustang Heritage Foundation, Michelle works to further the foundation's mission to help bring more Mustangs and burros home by overseeing all marketing and communication efforts. Michelle, thank you so much for coming on Beyond the Saddle today. I'm so excited to learn more about your career with the Mustang Heritage Foundation and all of your amazing programs. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, let's jump in with the fun part. Um, Before (laughs) we started recording, I asked you to prepare two truths and one lie. So go ahead and read those in any order. And I'm going to try to guess which one is your lie. Okay, so... I am originally from Indiana. I like to live on the wild side, so I own two red mares, and I compete in working cow horse. Oh, goodness sake. Oh, I don't even know. Okay, I'm, I'm going to say that you don't compete in working cow horse. Correct. Oh, that was a total <laughs> you were shot so in the good. <laughs> I like that you like to live on the wild side with two red mares. <laughs> I do. <laughs> They keep things interesting, don't they? <laughs> they Yes, they do. They sure do. <laughs> I love it. Well, what do you compete in, if not cow horse? So I compete in barrel racing, and um, I've started breakawaying a little bit. I am not competing yet, but someday, hopefully. <laughs> that is way cool. That, that automatically makes you way cooler than I am. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. If you saw my skills so far, you may not think so, but... <laughs> We're working on it. <laughs> I mean, I have so much respect for anyone that can not only just like, you know, ride in the way you're supposed to ride and, you know, rope, but let alone catch something. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> How fun. Well, thank you for that. Um, that's always fun to kind of kick it off with. Um, but let's jump into the Mustang Heritage Foundation. So give us some background. I know um, a lot of people are familiar, but there's a lot of people who are not. So can you give us some background about the Mustang Heritage Foundation? Yeah, the, most people probably know us from our events, the Extreme Mustang Makeover, where our trainers take a wild horse, untouched horse, and they have uh, approximately 100 days to gentle that horse, train that horse, and then they compete with that horse at our events for, uh, it's typically around $40,000 in cash and prizes. So a lot of people have seen that, and we're kind of most famous in that event for our freestyle. So you may have seen the really cool stuff that people have done with their wild horses, Um, competing in the freestyle class of those events. But the Mustang Heritage Foundation itself actually started around 2000. I think we were incorporated in 2001, really kind of got the ball rolling in 2007 with the Extreme Mustang Makeover and um, a couple other programs that we have. But really our mission is to just help bring wild horses home. So we are really focused on the horses. There are about 50,000 wild horses and burros in holding with the 
the Bureau of Land Management. So those are horses that have been gathered and now they're in long-term holding facilities, pastures, things like that. Um, and that's really where they will live out their lives unless they are adopted. So we are really focused on helping those horses in holding find homes. Um, so all of our programs are geared towards that. So like I said, we have the Extreme Mustang Makeover events, but we also have several other events and programs, one of which is the Trainer Incentive Program. This is a really cool program because we actually approve trainers. So you can apply as a trainer to be part of this program. And then they gentle horses, help them find homes, and then we actually pay the trainers. So it's a really cool program. It's our lesser known program, but it's really in terms of placement numbers, it's our most successful program. That is so cool. And, you know, I, I know like vaguely, like, you know, I've heard people talk about like tips training and tips certified, um, but to have that background that you guys actually pay them, right? That it's like an incentive for them. That's amazing. Yes, it, it's a really, it truly is a really neat program. And you're really talking about um, gentling them to the point of, I, I would compare it to, to groundbreaking a horse. So you want them to be able to um, pick up their feet, load in a trailer, basically be able to handle them on the ground. And then, yeah, we pay the trainers um, for a wild horse. It is um, typically a $1,000 payment. Um, and then for burrows, because we do burrows also, um, it is $750. So cool. Oh, I just love those cute little burrows. They're so I know. Good. Their ears. <laughs> I can't take it. I know. <laughs> well, talk to me about like the origin of the Extreme Mustang Makeover. Like, why did it come about? How did it come about? Why did you guys kick it off? Yeah. Yeah, so the Extreme Mustang Makeovers and the Mustang Heritage Foundation um, were really the brainchild of Patty Colbert. I'm sure a lot of people know um, who Patty is in the industry. She's done a ton for the industry. And so it was really kind of the, the brainchild of Patty. She got them going and they just sort of took off and have been really successful in terms of helping um, raise awareness and provide education about these horses. So most people probably don't realize that there are 50,000 horses, you know, in holding being cared for by the Bureau of Land Management. Um, so this, the Extreme Mustang Makeovers really set the stage for us to be able to raise awareness and begin these other programs like the Trainer Incentive Program and really start placing horses into private care. Absolutely. The awareness piece is huge. I can't tell you how many of those freestyles um, from the makeovers that I've seen go absolutely viral on social media. It's amazing. It is amazing. And I am always like absolutely floored by what these trainers can accomplish, the relationship that they can build with these horses in a hundred days. And then some of these, you know, tricks and skills that they can do with those horses. Like, wow, I can't do that with my own horse. So. <laughs> it's pretty, Same. it's, it's really impressive. It truly is. Absolutely. Tell me more about like what the event itself looks like. You know, where is it? You know, how often do you do them? Like who can attend that kind of thing? like everyone else, 2020 was a little weird. So our events in 2020 were all, um, we had one in January in Fort Worth and then the others were um, virtual. Typically we have uh, about three to five a year and they're kind of all over the country. This year we were originally slated to be in Kentucky. Um, that event has gone virtual also, um, but we will definitely be in Oklahoma City in August. And then we will also be in Logan Township, New Jersey in October. And the applications are closed obviously for these events um, because there is the 100 day period of training the horse and things like that. But anybody can attend these events. So tickets will go on sale for each event, you know, a few weeks prior. And anybody can come and watch these events and, and experience them. I myself have not got to experience an in-person event yet because I started 
during the pandemic. Oh, so, man. <laughs> yeah. so we are really, ex- I'm really excited to get to Oklahoma city. We are really excited as a team to get back out there, you know, like much of the industry to, to get back out there and um, be putting on events again. Yeah, for sure. Well, we'll see you in Oklahoma in August and then in New Jersey in October. We'll be there. (laughs) Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about what it was like having to go virtual? I mean, a lot of people listening to these episodes in our event season specifically, you know, are interested in in careers and events. And boy, Mm -hmm. 2020 was a curveball. So how did you guys handle that? Yeah. I mean, it, it, like you said, it was a curveball. Um, we actually had an event happening um, in Kentucky that was supposed to happen in June 2020. So that was really when the pandemic was just starting and everything was shutting down and we really didn't know what was going to happen. So we kind of had to scramble and we honestly made the call, I would say about three to four weeks before that event to go virtual. And it it was interesting trying to pull it all together. We'd never put on a virtual event, um, but we made it happen. We learned a lot. The trainers were happy. They were excited. Kind of how we, we made it work is that the trainers all submitted videos. They videoed themselves at their homes or local arenas, you know, wherever completing their classes. We provided them obviously with the patterns and everything and they submitted those videos and then we um, really sort of showed the event or held the event um, through social media, Facebook, YouTube, things like that. And then we still had the, because all of the horses after every Extreme Mustang makeover are available via competitive bids so people can participate in the auction and take one of these horses home actually. So that was our first virtual auction as well. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) And it went well. Um, We learned a ton, honestly. And then our event, we had an event in October, November. Um, It was originally slated to be held in California and it also ended up being virtual. And so we learned a ton from the Kentucky event and the, the California event was just even better. So, and you can actually, the cool thing about it is since those events were virtual, you can actually go back on our Facebook and our, our YouTube channel and watch those events. Oh, it's like an added bonus. See, those yeah. unintended consequences aren't all bad. <laughs> right, exactly. It wasn't, and that that's a great point. You know, we had never had, you know, virtual auctions, things like that. And we obviously love having the events in person. Um, you know, there's just something about the, you know, the electricity of having an in-person equine event. But our reach was so huge with social media. We reached so many more people. Our online auction, we had bidders from all over the country that were able to participate because the auction was online. That's pretty cool. Is that something you guys might continue going forward because it worked? Yeah, we're actually kind of trying to work out those details now because, yeah, I mean, it it worked well and, you know, people were excited about it and people were excited to be able to participate. So that's kind of what we're trying to figure out is how we can how we can hopefully continue that moving forward. Yeah, I love that. Um, In so many areas of my life, you know, like church services and just things at the equine network as well too. Like, you know, we've had, everyone had to pivot, right? Like 2020 (laughs) made us grow and learn new things, um, which was hard. But now that we have kind of mastered it or explored that new area, like it's kind of fun to see what now we can, let's incorporate this, you know, (laughs) when we go back to whatever normal is, we can also do more fun things. That's exactly right. Yep. We learned so many, so many different things and so many things that were like, okay, we definitely want to keep this. Um, definitely learned some things that were like, okay, we won't do that again. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, it, it truly did make us grow. Um, you're exactly right. And now we're all just itching to get back together. So August in <laughs> Oklahoma and 
October, New Jersey, and we're going to go watch some beautiful Mustangs and amazing trainers just work yes. their magic, really. <laughs> really. It will be, um, both of those places will be the place to be. Absolutely. Definitely. So how does it work? Like, is there a relationship between the trainers that come in for the Extreme Mustang Makeover and being tips approved? Like, I mean, do they have to be one or the other? You know, do they stem from one to the other? No, I'm honestly, I mean, we do have a lot of our tip trainers that compete in our Extreme Mustang Makeovers, but honestly, anybody um, can apply to compete in an Extreme Mustang Makeover. So, you know, if you are just interested in furthering your training skills or your horsemanship skills, or honestly, just taking on a new challenge, anybody can compete in these events. Very, very cool. That is so awesome. I'd love to know how many tips certified trainers you do have as part of your program. Yeah. So I want to say, I'm not sure of the current count because you have to reapply every year. You have to be basically recertified every year. Um, But we ended last year with about around 450 tip trainers. And those are across the country. Another great area of the tip program are the tip challenges. So these are local events that our tip trainers put on. And these events are actually, you apply for these events and then you actually compete in hand with a wild horse or burrow. Um, So the tip challenges are great for anybody that's really kind of wanting to get their feet wet in the Mustang Heritage Foundation programs. Like I said there, you compete in hand with a wild horse or a burrow. Um, So if you're wanting to kind of test your training skills or test your horsemanship, but you're not really sure you want to take on, you know, a full-blown extreme Mustang makeover, this is a great way to get started. They're much smaller. Like I said, they're local. They're a little more low-key. I've been to some of these events and the trainers all help each other. um, And they're just really like, just honestly, a ton of fun. That is so cool. That's awesome. It's really neat. It's a really cool network of trainers. What I've kind of learned from those folks is they all kind of communicate with each other and, you know, work with each other. And, you know, they really lean on each other when they're like, okay, I have this Mustang and I'm struggling with this. You know, they can reach out to that network and, and, you know, kind of get tips from, from those other trainers. Yeah. Well, you've got the perfect network to do it, right? Right. Somebody's (laughs) encountered your situation somewhere along the line. Exactly. Very awesome. That's great. Uh, Well, that kind of leads me into, I'd love you to bust some of those. There's so many misconceptions. People perceive Mustangs as these wild and crazy and whatever things. So, and these trainers are obviously able to do amazing things with them. So can we bust some of those misconceptions that people might have? Yes, I would say the biggest thing um, that I see is people, people just don't consider Mustangs when they're looking for their next horse. They just, they don't even cross their mind. And like you said, Mustangs have been successful in nearly every area of the equine industry. I mean, when we talk about some of the success stories, you're looking at Marsha Hartford Sapp and Cobra. He was a Mustang that competed in an extreme Mustang makeover in 2010 and then won USEF Horse of the Year in 2015. That is so cool. <laughs> it's, yeah, kind of a big deal. Yes. Um, you have Elisa Wallace. She's one of our trainers. She's a five-star eventer, competes with her Mustangs in eventing. We have Mustangs that are competing in working cow horse. People, you know, rope off of them. We actually just last summer had a youth competitor. She competed in our January Fort Worth event. And so the youth actually compete with two-year-olds 
in hand. And then she went on with that two-year-old to play second in the versatility class of the Texas State 4-H show um, oh with a, <laughs> a two-year-old Mustang. I mean, so, I mean, these horses, um, they're out there doing everything that any other breed is doing, and they're out there being just as successful as every other breed. So I would say the biggest thing that I would like to, to kind of bust is consider a Mustang. When you're thinking about your next horse, consider a Mustang also. I love it. And they're so versatile. I mean, the list that you just gave us of everything from working cow horse all the way up to eventing, like there's nothing a Mustang can't do. You find the one, you know, that form fits the function and, and you go for it. That's it. That's exactly right. The Mustang Heritage Foundation is dedicated to helping more than 50,000 wild horses and Mustangs in holding find homes through private care. Since 2007, Mustang Heritage Foundation has placed more than 16,000 wild horses and burros into loving homes through innovative programs and events, including the Extreme Mustang Makeover and Trainer Incentive Program. Mustang Heritage Foundation also aims to educate the public and increase awareness of the issues facing wild horses and burros. Learn more at mustangheritagefoundation.org. Well, Michelle, I would love to know more about your role with the Mustang Heritage Foundation and and how you kind of play a role in these events. So tell us, what is your job? So I am actually the director of marketing for Mustang Heritage Foundation. So we have a small marketing team, myself and one other team member, so pretty small. Um, (laughs) But we manage all of the marketing, all of the advertising. Um, We obviously help with all of the events and the tip program, spreading the word about those programs as well. And then obviously helping put on the events as well. Can you walk us through like a typical day, maybe not at an event and then a typical day at an event or during the event? Yeah. So a typical day, not at an event, just, you know, my every day is it it honestly looks different all the time. I mean, today, for example, I'm, you know, doing a podcast interview. I've got some, I, you know, I need to review some graphics that um, our graphic designer sent over, look at those, make edits. We're working on sending a letter out to our membership. So reviewing that, making sure it's all squared away and ready to go, helping with planning some promotions and marketing and things like that for the Extreme Mustang Makeover coming up in Oklahoma City, and then working on the TIP program, you know, promoting it as well and making sure that we're communicating and getting um, some important emails out to our TIP trainers. Um, So it's really kind of all over the place. And then I also, like I said, I have a teammate and she manages our social media channels. Um, So then also working with her to make sure we're getting everything out that needs to be on social media, answering any questions that are coming through social media. So it's really kind of all over the place, which is fun because it keeps it interesting. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, and it sounds too, because you guys have the events, right? So you're driving marketing towards those and, you know, getting people to sign up or getting people to buy tickets. Um, but then yep. you also have like the tape program that you're trying to promote all the time and just the functions of the foundation in general. So it really does like your marketing gears kind of are running all the time, aren't they? They, that's exactly right. And yeah, we're shifting kind of from one thing to a, to another all the time because we are trying to, obviously we want to promote the events and like you said, ticket sales and all of those things, but then continuing the, the everyday of the tip program. I um, mean, that's a little bit twofold because we're, we want to encourage people to apply to be trainers, but then we also kind of want to spread the word to encourage people that are interested in adopting or purchasing a wild horse or burrow to reach out to their local tip trainers. So it's a little bit twofold there. And then just spreading the word about the Mustang Heritage Foundation and who we are. Yeah. And advocating for those amazing creatures. (laughs) Uh, Well, can you walk us through a typical day, like at an event or during an event? Yeah. So, um, 
At an event, um, we're kind of helping with just everything, really. So prior to the event, we're going to be helping design banners, preparing banners. When we get to the event, hanging those banners, setting those up, and then just looking for all of those opportunities to, you know, any of those special moments that we can capture for social media and our future marketing efforts um, that are happening in the arena, conducting interviews with trainers, hopefully meeting all the horses when we have a chance. (laughs) So, yeah. At the event, we're just kind of all over the place wherever and then really supporting the events team. So wherever the events team needs us to be, whether that needs us to be up there next to the announcer, helping the announcer and making sure he's, you know, getting the word out about the things that we need to the announcements we need to be um, promoting, making sure that's happening, um, helping run the Jumbotron, you know, just anything and everything. All the things that make that event come together and be cohesive, right? And, And just run like clockwork. Exactly. Well, how did you end up here? I mean, kind of your education through to today, what led you to your role with the Mustang Heritage Foundation? Yeah, so I actually graduated from Murray State University in Western Kentucky, animal science, focus on equine, and then wasn't really sure what I was going to do, you know, much like most people that graduate. <laughs> You're like, what do I do next with my life? So I ended up, um, I did a, a short stint with Cargill in Kansas City, and then I ended up in grad school at Oklahoma State University. And there I was working on my master's in agricultural communications. While I was there, um, I actually applied and ended up with an internship with AQHA. And so I actually worked for AQHA for about six years. Um, After that, that led to a job. So I worked there, decided kind of, you know, it was time to kind of move on. And I was actually working at West Texas A&M University here locally in um, I'm in Amarillo. So, and Alex Capert, our executive director, reached out and said he had a position and I applied and I was really excited about it. I had been out of the equine industry for about a year and was really missing it. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I applied and um, here I am. I'm very excited to be on the team. I love our mission. We have a really small team, like I said, there's only about eight of us. So it, it's really amazing to see what we can get done um, with just, just eight people that are really focused on you know, a singular mission of helping these horses find homes. I love that. I love that you spoke to that because I think that's true of so many organizations and companies in the equine industry where your teams are small, but mighty, right? Yes, (laughs) that, yes, that is so true. Well, do you have advice for someone who's looking to pursue a career in marketing or events like yours? Yeah. So my biggest piece of advice to anyone, you know, pursuing a career in this industry is, you know, take any opportunity that is provided to you. I, when I was at Oklahoma State University, when I applied for an internship at AQHA, I actually applied for one of their journal internships, I think. I had no journalism experience. I had gone to school for animal science, you know, but, but my resume got there. That was what was important. Yeah. I did not get that. I did not get that internship. Um, but I ended up with another internship that they had just started with the corporate partners team and my resume got passed over to that team. And I ended up with that internship and that internship led me to a job with AQHA. And then, you know, from there, I, I met people within the industry, you know, and those connections are so important. So I would say, you know, take every opportunity. It may seem small, (laughs) it may seem insignificant, but they all pay off and they all lead to the next door. Um, And you never know what, who or what will be behind that door. Absolutely. And I love that it's an internship that started opening those doors for you. I just can't, I can't advocate enough for people taking those internships and, you know, jump in, just do it. (laughs) 
I could not agree more. Um, I did that internship and then I also did an internship at the Lazy E Ranch. Internship I did at the E was probably the hardest internship, you know, because it's, you know, physical work, but it paid off so much. I met so many people, you know, it really helped open the door. So I could not agree more. I always advocate for internships. Absolutely. I love it. People listen, if you're in college right now and you're on the fence (laughs) about (laughs) taking that internship, go apply, go do it. (laughs) That's exactly right. Well, you have been all over the industry and seen it from many different angles. um, And now you see it, you know, from perspective of people who are buying Mustangs or training them. So just tons and tons of of different ways that people interact with the equine industry. So in your own words, what does it mean to you to be an equine industry professional? So for me, I have a little bit of a unique background because I did not grow up in the industry. I didn't grow up around horses. I truly did not get involved with horses until I was in college, until I was an undergrad. And so for me, it really means a lot to even be part of this industry. So for me, it really means being a steward and an advocate for the horses, but also for the owners. You know, everybody kind of starts somewhere in this industry, the top trainers, the top names in the industry, they started somewhere. So I always encourage people to, you know, get involved, like don't be afraid. And that's really what I see my role as in this industry is being that encourager saying, you know, I was that person that (laughs) had no idea that was totally new to this industry. And, you know, you've just got to kind of take that leap of faith. Thank you so much for sharing that, because I think this industry, for better, for worse, uh, you know, we kind of get tunnel vision for like, oh, you didn't you didn't grow up with horses or, you know, what have you. But just knowing that like horses mean something to everyone and they've got an opportunity for everyone. And now look at you like now look at where you are and that you have your own horses and that you're part of this huge movement. So I think it's for everybody. I, I could not agree more. And I think that's what's so important. You know, it can be a little intimidating when you, you know, whether you want to compete in an event or you want to be a, an equine industry professional, it can be intimidating to get started. But, you know, there's a place, I truly believe that there's a place in this industry for everyone, no matter what level you want to compete at, no matter what level of ownership you want to have, um, what level you want to work at in the industry, there's a place for everybody. So, so true. And I'm sure that you have experienced that firsthand as a barrel racer. Um, Hopefully you found some welcoming arms to to welcome you into that side of the industry as a competitor. Yes. Um, Living in Texas. Yeah, it's pretty competitive here. I think I went to my first barrel race at like a local like church here and like there were three NFR qualifiers there. (laughs) I was like, okay. (laughs) But I have, you know, everybody has been, you know, most people have been welcoming and friendly and willing to help. And and you just have to seek out those people. You just have to kind of find your people within the industry within you know your local circle that are willing to help and and just kind of hang out with them just be around them observe them and that's how you get better yeah find those people and then be those people be that welcoming force that's exactly right that's I love that you said that because I think that's so important too when you see new people make sure you welcome them as well that's right. The more the industry grows, the better it is for all of us. And I'm all about that. Yes. <laughs> well, tell us more about your horses, your red mares. <laughs> yeah. So yes, I have two, two red mares. I have, um, a cow horse named Annie and she is, uh, I want to say maybe 12 this year. And she, she's just kind of my steady Eddie. You know, I can know I can go into the pen anytime she can be off. It doesn't matter. And I can just put her in any situation and she's going to handle it. Take care of me. I compete on her in um, barrel racing, but she is the one that I'm really trying to 
to start competing in Breakaway on, and she absolutely loves roping. I mean, she's cow horse through and through, absolutely loves being out in the pin, chasing chasing calves or steers, loves going out to the ranch and kind of going through the ranch and sorting cattle with um, when we go down there with my husband. And then I actually have a four-year-old, like by design, mare. <laughs> Her name is Penny. Whereas Annie is all business. I can always, you know, count on Annie. I know she's always going to just kind of be the same, like I said, but Annie is all business. You know, she's like, I don't need you to pet me. Like, <laughs> we're fine. <laughs> like, we don't really need to be friends. We're just business partners. <laughs> Whereas Penny is like, please pet me at all times. I need to like stand on top of you and be as close to you as possible. <laughs> and so she's, she's been fun. Um, it's honestly been, a, it's been a challenge. Um, they ride totally different. So it's honestly been a challenge for my horsemanship um, and, and really helped me over the past probably year and a half. I mean, it's definitely been frustrating at times, but over the last year, it's, it's really helped me improve my horsemanship and improve my riding. Um, just kind of switching between the two styles. Penny is very push style Whereas Annie is not pushed style at all. So yeah, I'm excited to, I'm going to, Penny is actually going to compete in the pink buckle this year. So very excited about that. That's awesome. Well, and I love that they're so different. Like, I think that's the best part of owning multiple horses is that they do challenge you in different ways and, you know, make you try even harder. I think that's super fun. They, they truly do. Yes. I wonder, do you have a favorite or most memorable freestyle um, from the Extreme Mustang Makeover? Yeah. Um, so I would say we had, um, for, I believe California this past year, actually the champion of that event was a competitor that had never competed in an extreme Mustang makeover ever. He has been involved in the horse industry, but he'd never competed in any of our events. And he did just this really cool freestyle. I want to say he did it to the song, don't fear the reaper. And I mean, just to see somebody that had never taken on this challenge before go out there and, you know, he did some really cool stuff with his horses, but I think what he did really well is that he had really focused on kind of the basic. So he was able to do a lot of those basics, you know, like the side passing and things like that, and just make it look like completely effortless. Um, so I would say that was probably, that was probably one of my favorites um, to see him, like I said, not ever involved, never done this before to come and actually win the event. That is and, so cool. And his freestyle was really cool because he was like dressed up as the Reaper. And so it was really neat. Very memorable. Yes. I just get like mesmerized when I watch like a really soft, supple horse where it just looks automatic. Like I just yes. can't help but like stare. <laughs> Agreed. Yes, it's it's very. Um, I know I look at that and I'm like, oh, my gosh, how are they even doing that? I don't even think the, the rider's moving or anything. <laughs> So cool. <laughs> oh, Michelle, it has been super fun to get to talk to you and get to know everything there is about the Mustang Heritage Foundation, the Extreme Mustang Makeover, and your trainer program. Thank you so, so much for coming on the show today. Yes, of course. Well, Michelle, I know that people are going to be interested in learning more, buying tickets, in following along with the trainers, learning more about you guys. So where's the best place that the audience can connect with you or connect with the Mustang Heritage Foundation? Yeah, so you can always find us at our website at mustangheritagefoundation.org. But the best place really to connect with us is social media. So Facebook, Instagram, at Extreme Mustang Makeover or Mustang Heritage Foundation. Um, there we are always sharing trainer stories, interviews with trainers, horses. Um, so that's a really fun place. Um, it's a really fun community. So I would definitely encourage everyone to follow us there. 
Perfect. I love it. I'll check you guys out, of course. And I'm going to tag you guys in all of our posts. Everybody should have no excuse. Go follow them. Go check it out. Go learn more. Go get involved. Yes. <laughs> well, and just to wrap it up, um, when people look back on this episode with you, Michelle, do you have like food for thought that you want to leave our listeners with? So when they think back on this, the number one takeaway from this interview, what would you say? I would encourage anyone to get out there and just check out our programs. Um, if you are looking for for a challenge, if you're looking to, you know, expand your horsemanship, to expand your training skills, maybe expand your training portfolio, um, check out the Trainer Incentive Program, Enter an Extreme Mustang Makeover. I, I would just really encourage anyone, like I said, that's really looking to further their horsemanship or take on a new challenge to, to check out our programs. I love it challenge your horsemanship, check out their events and consider a Mustang. Yes, definitely consider a Mustang. Thanks for riding along. Know someone that would be great to interview? Have questions you'd like answered on the podcast? Send me an email at beyondthesaddlepodcast at gmail.com or join the conversation on social media. You can connect with us and learn more about the Beyond the Saddle podcast by following us on Facebook and Instagram at Beyond the Saddle Podcast. Find more episodes anywhere that you get your podcasts, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Beyond the Saddle is a production of the Equine Podcast Network, an entity of the Equine Network.